0: Amen. Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. I hope you got a bulletin when you came in uh, so that you could follow along in the service. We do have uh, songs, some that are printed in there. So if you didn't get one, feel free to be able to stand up and go get one as well. Uh, We do have several announcements that we would like to share with you. One, if you haven't filled out a a guest card in a while, a visitor card, and you've had information change, that's what we're trying to get to. If you have changed new phone number, especially new emails, because we do so much through emails, that if you want to fill out a guest card and just say updated email, that way we'll have that information and you can just place it in the box, uh, the offering box, or in the little visitor box in the foyer as well. But that way we can make sure you're getting all the information that's being sent out. Because Christy sends out not only the bulletin information, but like a blast with all the information that's going on prayer requests, information for the church. So please, if you don't have that, uh, make sure we get that so we'll be able to keep you informed. Uh, Also, you'll see um, on the inside of the bulletin there on the bottom right, Easter week at at Grace here. uh, This coming Thursday, we will be doing a Maundy Thursday service at 7 p.m. There is a sign up for that that you can go on and sign up. It will be a time of us sharing together in some responsive readings and learning together all about the atonement, and the justification and our righteousness with Christ. And then coming together around the Lord's table as he invited the, di- the disciples. And so it'll probably only be an hour, maybe a little less. But if you would like to come, we'll be doing the Lord's Supper instead of doing it Easter Sunday morning. We will not be doing the Lord's Supper on Easter Sunday morning. Um, just because so many people may be coming from out and about. And as you know, the Lord's Supper is designed for those of us who've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. So you could still bring a friend if you want to the Monday Service. We'll still fence the table. Uh, but it is a, just a time for us to come together and celebrate the time that Jesus met with his disciples and prepared the way for what he was about to accomplish. So please mark that down. Then on Easter morning, we do have the sunrise service set at 7 a.m., if all goes well and the, the weather permits, we will be outside set up. Uh, there is a sign up for that so that you can be outside for the sunrise service. It's probably only 35, 40 minutes long. It's just going to be a normal sunrise service that they used to do at the different places in the community. But we weren't able to do all that again, so we're just doing it here. But afterward, we're going to have a little fellowship. So. We are going to try we're going to do it in a safe way kind of like we do at the men's breakfast or the ladies gatherings we are going to have some time that if you want to stay and just fellowship uh, there is a sign up that Christy will be putting out if it's not already there Uh, cindy freeze is going to help us put a lot of that together so if you have questions it's not designed to be a huge meal it's just designed to be a time to stay together fellowship if you want for a while if you're not staying for the easter service Um, then you can at least fellowship a little bit before you go home. If you're planning on going home and coming back, you don't have to stay for fellowship. It's a freedom to just say, for those who are here, we will be here. There is no Sunday school. Um, And then we will have our main service at 930, just like we would normally have when we were in one service. So mark that down at 930. We are still planning to do that. Now, if the service gets outrageously large... um, then I want you to please give me patience um, to work with you. We still want you to be comfortable. But if 250 people sign up for the service, you will probably get an email saying we're going back to two services and we'll just jump right back in and have those two services there because there will be no way to comfortably fit 250 people in here. Um, There may be a few occasions, just so you know up front, we want you to know honestly, people have asked, We usually have a lot of room, as you can see. Well, if you look at the room around you today and just know that the same pews will look that way in front of you, that's what it would normally look like on a full day. So there's still going to be room next to you. We are not going to put people side by side unless you sign up together um, to do that. But there may be someone here and there in a pew that's open because we would rather put someone in the the pew in front of you rather than right beside you. Um, So, but we're going to do our best. We have extra chairs in the foyer. We have pews in the foyer. We have those that are in the back. We will do our best to spread out Easter morning, but if you are coming with a family or friend and sign up together, please do it on one sign-up. So you could sign up and just let us know, but if you sign up and said, hey, the straights are coming with 12, um, obviously we would know, okay, they're going to be sitting with somebody um, unless I have another family I didn't know about. So just come. We're excited. It's going to be an opportunity for us to see a lot of the faces that you haven't seen. We have many new faces in both services, and this will be an opportunity to be able to just meet together, see everybody, and go forward from there. So please plan on at least signing up for those services so we will know that. Uh, Other than that, we ask for your patience as we continue to go forward and come back together. Uh, As we have said, the deacons have been working along with the ministry internet committee. If you're interested in working with our, our sound or our video team, they are putting all this together and we're going to need some volunteers to help. So if you love doing video streaming or watching cameras or you love technology and would like to learn, they're going to be needing some people to help as we go forward to cover both the video and the audio sections of the service. And so pray about your gifts and if you can be used there, let us know. And then we've also uh, started revamping uh, from the nurseries we've told you about in some rooms and walls. For those of us who've been having kids and families who have children in the late service especially, we have a lot of young children that need diaper changes. Um, The library ministry team was more than willing and excited to take the library downstairs into across the kitchen. If you get a chance when you're in Sunday school at later on, look in there. Diane Sawyer and Mrs. Packett have done a great job of getting it all down there and reloaded. they're excited and we're going to try to finish that this week but the good news is it allows us to put a full-fledged nursery upstairs where those who are coming with small children now have a changing table in there there are some chairs we'll finish that up but just know if people are asking now we don't have to send those young families all the way out downstairs through the hallways to try to find a place to be they can actually be right here on the main level they'll be able to hear and maybe even as time goes on with the video see the service so Some great things are happening, but we appreciate your patience. And if you're willing to help in moving walls, I know the deacons are going to try to schedule a time. If you're interested in helping in moving some of that and demolition and and putting things together, please let them know so we can use your gifts as well. Other than that, uh, I know it's a lot, but it's an exciting time. It's a wonderful time of the year as we transition from uh, the winter months over into the spring and the coming summer. And it's exciting to be outside and we encourage you still to be careful um, as you're gathering about inside the building. You know, Work at keeping the distance so that the people who are coming, we have a lot of new faces coming back, new in the sense of visitors, but we also have some of our returning families starting to come back. And so we want to respect everybody as they come back and get comfortable again in the service. So thank you very much for that, and if you would, let me lead us to the throne of grace and then... If you'll join me in the Lord's Prayer, you'll see that here in your bulletin. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again so much uh, for all that you have given us. And Lord, we thank you for the the providential care of watching over each and every family. Uh, Lord, we've had to trust you more than ever as we have been unable to meet with our own families, our own parents, our children. Lord, to be separated and to be distant and to be told we can't gather and we can't meet. Uh, Lord, it's caused a lot of anxiety, and yet you've been there to bring peace and comfort and assurance. Lord, I, I pray this morning that as we worship, that as Phil brings us the message of the value of wisdom, that, Lord, we would hear that, that we would incorporate that, that it would change us and allow us to make appropriate decisions based on those truths of your word lord we also thank you for forgiving us and giving us the opportunity to come into your presence where we can worship together father again we are reminded each week that we have not earned the right to come to you and we do not deserve to be in your presence but yet father as you have left the portals of heaven through your son and opened the curtain it allows us to come together and pray as you taught us, saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you would, uh, take your hymn book and turn to page 835. It's there that we have our call to worship. Again, I've invited you to be a part of that in a responsive call to worship of Psalm 138. It starts on the bottom of the page on 835 and continues over. But if you would, join with me as I call us to worship. I will read the light print alone, and if you would join together in the dark print. Uh, Psalm 138. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Amen. And if you would take your hymn book and turn with me to page 872. Uh, While you're turning there, uh, we'll take just a moment afterward to confess our sins together as a congregation and share together in the assurance of pardon. But if you would, we've been going through the catechism questions and uh, we want to invite you to share together in these truths. We'll be doing questions 24 and 25. And if you have slowly worked through these before, they're wonderful ways to also lead your children at home and to bring about discussion and to follow up at home as our Sunday school lessons and many of our classes also reiterate these truths in different ways throughout the lessons but if you would let's share together in question 24 and 25 i'll read again the bold print if you'll follow in the light print question 24 how doth christ execute the office of a prophet christ executeth the office of a prophet in revealing to us by his word and spirit The will of God for our salvation. How does Christ execute the office of a priest? Christ executeth the office of a priest in his once offering up of himself a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and reconcile us to God and in making continual intercession for us. And what a blessing to know this morning as he is there interceding for us that we are able to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we're able to confess our sins together with one another. And so if you would join me together in the confession, congregational uh, confessing of our sin, you'll see it printed there. Pray with me if you would. Most merciful God, we confess to you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you in thought, Word and deed, not only in outward transgressions, but also in secret thoughts and desires that we are unable to understand, but which are all known to you. For this reason, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive us, renew us, And lead us so that we can delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. You know, throughout, uh, it's a blessing to always be able to read and find the assurance uh, that God gives us, especially when it comes to pardon. And many times we may feel that we are the worst or the chief of sinners. Uh, We sometimes struggle through the weeks realizing that we were good with deeds but lost our thoughts. We were good with thoughts but our words did not spare us and we feel as failures. But we're not alone. We find the assurance in 1 Timothy where Paul even writes and says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And even Paul at times felt like he was unworthy to even be considered. And So let's find our assurance not only in Christ and his word, but let's join together as we sing before Phil comes and shares with us this morning on the, the sermon on wisdom. The perfect wisdom of God. Let's sing that together
1: before Phil comes. Turn in your Bibles, please, to James chapter 3. If you happen to be using a pew Bible, it's on uh, page 1012. Verse 13, uh, verses 13 to 18, we will be reading from. This is what James says to the church. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace please pray with me lord you give wisdom and from your mouth come knowledge and understanding and we recognize that we are your creatures and that you are the creator from you come wisdom and we ask that you grant us wisdom this morning to understand your truth and to apply it to our lives and to do this for your glory in Christ's name we pray amen well wisdom is a universal concept it is not unique to the Christian religion especially in ancient cultures wisdom is something that was cherished it was passed on, and uh, today, however, we don't we don't think about wisdom regularly, and uh, what we might consider wisdom is really not the important ideas of one week. The next week become forgotten, and something new comes along. But although wisdom is some something that is universal, there is one true source of wisdom and there is one true type of wisdom and that of course is with God and James says in chapter 1 verse 5 if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask God who gives freely and in James chapter 1 verse 17 James says every gift and perfect every good gift and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights and wisdom comes down from God and uh, as we consider this passage we need to consider that James is writing to the church here uh, that is to say he's not talking about two types of wisdom and saying the church lives by one and the world by the other all of the time he's he's writing to the church that has a lot of problems and needs this wisdom from above and needs to be reminded of its source. In chapter 1, verse 9, James starts to speak of the uh, the, the rich and the poor that are in the congregation. And in chapter 2, he tells how this causes problems, how the there is favoritism shown to the rich. And in chapter 3, he speaks of the blessing of God with our words and cursing of our neighbors made in God's image. And in chapter 4, he goes on to talk about quarrels and fights. And in all of these, he's speaking to the church. Among you, he says. What causes quarrels and fights among you? And so, we as Christians, reading this passage, are reminded that we also have a tendency to live, to act and react in different situations in life according to the wisdom from this world that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And we need to realign our hearts according to the wisdom from above, that our witness may be a true witness, that we may treat each other according to true wisdom, and that the world would see this Uh, lived out in the church and so James issues a challenge to the church who is wise and understanding among you this indicates that wisdom and understanding as we know in in the Greek world in the Mediterranean world were something that were cherished Uh, however the concept of wisdom was a little different there it was in strength it was in knowledge it was in being able to to uh, gain an advantage over another um, in being able to build yourself up. But that's not what James describes as wisdom. And so I want to define wisdom um, from this passage. You know, Nick Stalnos preached a sermon about a year and a half ago or two years ago from a passage in Proverbs and he defined wisdom as, uh, as one theologian defines it as the art of living well. And that's a good definition, and that's a true definition. Um, But I want to define it here, nonetheless, according to the words that James uses. And I want to define it the following way. It's an attitude of the heart toward the truth that leads to good conduct, humble life uh, that is demonstrated in good works. So it's an attitude of the heart toward the truth that leads to humble Good conduct, and I'm getting that not only from what he says about the wisdom from above, but by taking the opposite of what he says about the wisdom from the earth, from from this uh, world. And so, if we take a look at it, he says, The one who is wise and understanding, in verse 13, should demonstrate it by good conduct, showing good works, and the meekness of wisdom. And then he contrasts that with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And he says that those attitudes are in the heart and that they cause boasting and being false to the truth. And so it's a matter of the heart. This wisdom is a matter of the, the heart's attitude towards God's revealed truth. And according to the wisdom of this world... The, the attitude of the heart is one of uh, falseness to the truth, as he says. Rejecting the truth and causing uh, boasting, causing arrogance, bitter jealousy, and selfish ambition. And so we see here the importance of the heart. That if we are to live lives of wisdom from above, that our hearts need to be aligned with the truth that God has revealed in his word and that that ought to express itself in good conduct, demonstrated by good works and humility. And so we see, as I said, the importance of the heart, and this is not unique to James. Uh, Jesus speaks of the importance of the heart in our life, and he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is in your heart will be made evident through the words that you say. And that's in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. And he also says, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. And that's Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. And so James is challenging the church not to think of wisdom in terms of external uh, demonstrations of our abilities but as an internal disposition of the heart. Interestingly, though, he says, who is wise in understanding? Let him demonstrate it by his good conduct in humility. And so, if you think about it, perhaps this is a little counterintuitive. You are to demonstrate your good works by being humble, or to be wise through humbly demonstrating good works. And then you can be seen as wise. And so, so I ask, is that, is that a, a contradiction or is that false humility? And the answer, the answer of course, is no. Um, there are two ways that we can do good works. We know that we ought to. We know that we were created to do good works. We were created in the image of a good God. And there are two, good, there are two ways to do good works. And one is to be seen by others. And one is to give glory to God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, Do not do your good works to be seen by others. And if you do your good works to be seen by others, you will receive your reward. If you want to be seen as a good person and you do good works to demonstrate that you are a good person and you, recognize, and you, and you receive recognition for that, that is the reward that you are seeking and that's the reward that you receive. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, let your light shine before men. So we are to do good works, but the reason is so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your God in heaven. So there are two ways to do good works. One is to be seen by others. And one is so that others will see God through your good works. And what's the difference there? The difference is an attitude in the heart. What is your heart's desire? And uh, the difference has to do with understanding the truth. The truth that if there's anything good in us, it's not good because we are good, but it's good because God is good. And so if good works are done in order so that people can see one who is good then when we do good works, recognizing that it's not us who's good, but God who is good, then our desire is to do those good works so that others can see the one who is good. That is God, our Father in heaven. So, let's notice the the good qualities that he draws our attention to in chapter 17. The wisdom from above is pure. First, pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and sincere. So, when we think about these, we can uh, notice that they mostly have to do with our relationships one to another. That is to say, Wisdom is first concerned with our own attitudes and with other people and our attitudes toward other people over personal success. So wisdom in our world today, those who are wise are those who understand how to make good decisions in order to uh, gain advantages, in order to be successful, and that is generally what we uh, tend to think about in terms of wisdom but the characteristics of wisdom here which have to do with what characteristics of the wisdom but not only that but what the wisdom does they have to do mostly with relationships and that's important and obviously James is concerned with the relationships in the church uh, which uh, I I demonstrated uh, before making reference to the the various problems among brothers and in the church. And so from that we can consider that wisdom is a very important part of testimony. Uh, and since wisdom demonstrates itself through good works so that others may see God, we can uh, see that it is indeed a matter of testimony to others, to others into the in a church as we live together and to the world. And I would like to uh, think about this by considering an Old Testament example of wisdom and that is uh, Solomon and uh, the visit of Queen of Sheba and her reaction to Solomon's wisdom and see if we can draw any uh, conclusions from that for how we ought to be wise and what our wisdom is to do or how our wisdom is to uh, serve in this context. Chapter 10 of 1 Kings describes the, the Queen of Sheba coming to visit King Solomon. It says that when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. I'm skipping ahead, and Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. And she said to the king, "'The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom,' But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men and happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set, on, set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. And this is uh, striking because the fame that, of Solomon's wisdom that the Queen of Sheba is acquainted with is described as concerning the name of the Lord. The Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. And just as Solomon's wisdom was associated with the name of the Lord, that is with God himself, so our actions, so our attitudes, our wisdom, if we are to demonstrate, if we demonstrate wisdom, is going to be associated with the name of our Lord. We are, after all, Christians called by Christ's name. And that ought to be something that we take to heart. And it also says that. She asked him hard questions, and he answered all her questions. We live in a world that has some questions, some serious questions, and if we're honest, sometimes we don't take the time to consider the world's questions, much less how to answer the world's questions in a way that points them to the truth, in a way that points them to God. Now, when the queen of Sheba is, when she receives all the answers to her questions, when she is finally, when she is described as having no more breath in her, she says, she did not believe the reports until I came and I saw. And she says in verse nine here, blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. She goes on and says, because the Lord loved Israel, He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. So the queen of Sheba perceives that God has given his people wisdom by giving them a wise king out of love for his people. And I think that is very interesting. I mean, very, uh, well, yes, very interesting, but very profound that she perceived that. And the reason, not, not only that, that the king, that, that God loves Israel, he gave Israel a wise king, but the wise king has a purpose, and that is to execute justice and righteousness. And the queen of Sheba, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, the queen of the south, he refers to her as, which was another name for her, Jesus says she will rise up at the judgment and condemn this generation because she came from far away to hear Solomon's words. And she took them to heart. And she believed them. And so when we think about our wisdom as a testimony, it is not uh, a testimony that is small in any way the ability to live in the world in a wise way, the ability to answer hard questions, the ability to point to a God who loves his people impacts the world, although not everybody will perceive meekness and humility as wisdom. Those who God has called will perceive it as such, just as the Queen of Sheba, who came from outside Israel, was impacted by the wisdom and recognized that this was because God uh, loves his people. Jesus says in that same passage, something greater than Solomon is here. The Queen of Sheba will rise up and condemn this generation because it did not recognize the Lord had come and something greater than Solomon has come. But it is... It it is a a different kind of greatness, if we're honest. When the world, if the world were to come into this sanctuary, and this world, and this sanctuary were built of huge stones and had uh, fine-cut timbers all around that were overlaid with gold, it would impact in a different way than the red carpet and the cross. They might be perceive this as uh, a more spiritual place or a more holy place or something like that. But that is not true wisdom. Something greater than Solomon is here. And it's not been demonstrated by an outward expression of something that, uh, that takes people's breath away in the way that our greatest buildings, greatest works of art have, have done It doesn't change the external face of things. Christ came not in pomp, not to be served, but to serve. Christ came in humility. So when we think about wisdom being an expression of humility, we look to the greater Solomon who came humbly to earth, who had all the glory and splendor for all eternity and gave it up and came humbly, born in a humble, low condition, and humbled himself and became obedient even to death. Even this Palm Sunday, as we think about the triumphant entry, here comes your king, gentle, humble, riding on a donkey. Sometimes the world doesn't see this as uh, true wisdom. and As a matter of fact, humility... uh, meekness seem more like weakness and they were in the Greek world as well this is what the Apostle Paul says in 1st Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And that is the God we serve, who came not to demand external uh, conformity, not to solve each and every difficulty that we have, but to change the heart and to conform our heart to the truth that he might save us from our sin, from our, greater, uh, from our greatest problem. It is evident as we look around in our world that the world is full of problems. As, as James says, the wisdom that is from this world that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic leads to pride, leads to selfish ambition, bitter jealousy, and it leads to every vile practice. It leads to disorder. When we consider our world it's hard not to uh, see that the wisdom of the world the state of things is because the wis- the world is following its own wisdom there is a lot of bitter jealousy there is a lot of anger there is a lot of pride there are a lot of uh, quarrels and fights Sometimes we think that as Christians that, that our job is to solve all the world's problems. That if we can just, because we have the answer, if people would just listen to us, things would go better. We can fall into the trap of thinking that if, since we have the wisdom from above, since we have the Bible, what people need to do is just listen to us and then the world's problems would go away, things would be better, but they don't listen to us, and we get angry, and we get bitter, someone else gets credit for something, and we get jealous. But Consider that Jesus, when he came, he didn't seek to solve each and every quarrel. When he's approached by a man who says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. That seems like there's an issue there in the heart. If anybody could speak to it, it would be Jesus. If anybody could have resolved that conflict between the brothers, it would have been Jesus, right? He could either say, you don't need that. You don't need the inheritance. Because, the, as, as he says, your life is not measured by the abundance of your wealth. Sell all you have, get rid of it all, and come follow me. But he doesn't say that. And he doesn't say to the brother who gets the inheritance, you don't need it all. You can share half of it. You can share some of it. But he doesn't say that. He says, who made me a referee for you? And that's kind of shocking. Jesus could have said something, right? But he didn't. And there are other problems there are other issues in the world that are not alleviated right away and Jesus is aware of this and he says in the days of Elijah it didn't rain there was a famine Elijah was sent to no one except for somebody outside of the Syrophoenician woman outside of Israel and in the days of Elisha there were a lot of lepers and only one was cured Sometimes it is our desire to solve all of the problems and make the world a better place. And of course, we ought to, in wisdom, live in each of our spheres and and do what God calls us to do to alleviate suffering, to bring truth. But when it doesn't come the way that we want it to come, sometimes we get irritated. Sometimes we become bitter. Sometimes we just think that people need to listen to what we're saying. And we can look at the life that our Lord lived here and remember that he was not concerned with people's desire for what they, what, what they thought he should do in every situation. He was concerned with the will of his father and doing that. He wasn't concerned with what people thought of him, but was concerned with what, what his father thought of him. Those who are in the world, there are many difficult issues, there are many difficult problems Uh, but their biggest need is for their hearts to be changed and we cannot do that. Their biggest heart, their biggest need is for the hearts to accept, to receive God's truth and that's what Christ came to do. He came to change hearts. God gave us a wise king because he loves us And his kingdom exists to bring justice and righteousness. And as we live lives of humble wisdom, those lives are to point to our king and his wisdom. So people should see us and say, they must have an answer to this question that I have. As the queen of Sheba came to Solomon and tested him with questions. But how will they know what true wisdom looks like if we in the church do not demonstrate it among ourselves? And so, this Palm Sunday, let us remember our King's humility and follow in his footsteps. He did not seek to use his wisdom to gain an advantage or to demonstrate his superiority. but humbly became obedient to God's will, took up his cross and died. Died to redeem us from our sin, died to redeem us from our tendency to fight amongst ourselves or to consider ourselves better than others. He died to change our hearts that we might live in wisdom. So something practical that we can do, something that I've been struck by as I've been in different parts of the world different situations and seen people that I think are wise and the wisest people that I've known I would not have known so much about them if I hadn't spent so much time with them because they don't show it it takes a little time sometimes to see true wisdom lived out but one of the main things that I would associate with the wisest people that I've seen, is humility. And uh, a lot of things going on outside of uh, public. And uh, no need to call attention to yourself, to themselves, but to point to God's goodness. So I challenge you to think of somebody who you can imitate. And of course, we can always imitate Christ, and we ought to imitate Christ above all. And as we think about living in a world that is disorderly, where there is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, we recognize that we don't need to solve the world's problems. We can't change people's hearts. All we can do is be humble witnesses of the truth by being pure in a filthy world uh, and peaceable in a world that is hostile, hostile to us, hostile to uh, the truth, and hostile to even uh, each other. We can be gentle in a world that is angry. We can be open to reason because uh, we have nothing to prove Uh, because in humility we can admit that we don't have all the answers full of mercy and good fruits because we have received mercy impartial and sincere as we imitate our lord who did not look at a person's external appearance and decide how he was going to treat the person we can do these things working for peace in our communities knowing that Redemption has been accomplished by Christ and that he's taking care of all of the results of how we conduct ourselves in this world and how the world responds to it. And we are his servants who merely point to his wisdom and to his salvation. So let's pray. Father, Your wisdom is beyond our ability to understand and as Paul says in Corinthians uh, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men Lord help us to see our tendency to rely on our own understanding and not to trust in you throughout our lives in different situations where we may be tempted more than in others to To try to take control, to try to impose uh, our wisdom, our knowledge, our understanding on the situation. And if we're honest, many times we realize after quarrels that maybe we weren't so wise after all. And we can be so concerned with uh, what we think and what we feel and believe in the moment and forget that all of our troubles are taken care of by the cross and that you have left us here as witnesses to the truth, as witnesses to Christ's redemption and that we are to be witnesses by our good conduct, demonstrating fruits in humbleness of wisdom. Help us, Lord, to follow our Lord's example and to be humble and meek knowing that our worth is not tied up in the abundance of our possessions, knowing that our acceptance before you is not tied up in whether or not this world accepts us. Help us to love you and not the things of this world. Um, Father, we anxiously await the grace that is to be revealed when Christ returns and help us to yearn for that today and to wait and to live uh, in humble expectation and patience for you are wise and you are governing over all your creatures and all their actions according to your wisdom and we stand in awe of that we pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen.
0: Amen. If you had received a benediction this morning, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And God's children said, amen. Have a great Lord's Day.